0: Hello, everyone. My name is Ahmed Bob Turgut. I am at Turkish Soccer on Twitter X. Also on Facebook, Turkish Soccer, Turkish Football. Follow me on Instagram. Just search for Turkish Soccer. And I am very glad to listen to a pro sports podcasters group. Thanks, guys. See you next time.
1: We are the pro sports podcasters where no sport is left behind.
2: It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Colbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered.
1: Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode So let's kick this off.
2: BetUS Sportsbook is your ultimate destination for online betting.
1: With sports betting, live betting, racebook, online slots, and online casino.
2: It's available across the U.S. and Canada. Use the code PSP to receive a massive sign-up bonus. Welcome back to the ProSource Podcasts. I'm your co-host, mister Neil Newells-Bruce. Alongside me is the talented Mr. Kobe Adorant. Kobe, how are you doing?
1: I'm good, buddy. I'm good, but I hear you've had a little bit of a flood.
2: Yeah, the, there was a bit of a flood in the building. I'm uh, not sure what happened. I came back from the dentist and I just saw fire trucks everywhere and elevators out, the sorts of stairs for the foreseeable future, which is fine because we are going to get our steps in at this time of year <laughs> <laughs> with all the all the good food that we're eating. Hope, um, happy holidays and Merry Christmas to you and yours if you're listening. Thank you for listening, by the way. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already, because we love that. And it's a time for giving, so definitely give the PSP a review, because we love giving you magic conversations, great chats, and giving you something that you may not have thought of.
1: We got something new today, right?
2: Oh, yes. We're going to talk about the world of Turkish football, and more, because we have a, a gentleman who's been in the game for... Well over twenty years, covering both Turkish football and the U.S. men's national team, he is the one you might know him in New York as Sucker Bob. It is. I met Bob. How you doing, Bob? Thank you very much, guys. Thank you for the invitation. I'm great. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to have you on, and I know you just you're just coming off a, a knee surgery, so hopefully that recovery and recuperation is is going okay. I know Chloe Thank you. had similar with his Achilles, so you yeah, might have to and, notes later on. Yeah, when you get older,
0: as my age, at age 66, I'll be 67 December 27th. I need a new, I guess, new uh, knee replacement, which I, it was done last week. Right now, you know, I've been at home, I'm doing pretty good, doing all my exercise treatment, my therapist comes my house every day. So we're working like uh, the professional soccer player.
2: <laughs> there, we, there we go. There we go. Yeah. You're, you're on the mend. You're on the mend. So, there
0: you go. There you go.
2: Now, we're going to get to some, something else that's on the mend shortly. But, Bob, before we get into that, tell us a little bit about your career. You've been covering the game for so long. How did that come about? How did you get into the, the lane that you're in today? All right. Well,
0: I'm ex pro player, played in Turkey and also moved to United States and then uh did journalism for a Turkish newspaper in uh New York, which is called Uriet Daily, one of the biggest papers in Turkey uh Turkey. Now we call Turkey as you know, it's Turkey, just like we call the Czech Czechia. They changed yes. the name. So, um, yeah, I did the the journalism between 1980s and uh, well above the 90s. And I also did a a soccer show here in upstate New York called Talking Soccer with my late friend, Alex Lloyd, that weekly we had soccer program in Rochester, New York, when we had the best team in Iran. One time it was the Soccer Town, USA, Rochester, Rochester Rhinos, we covered. So uh, between, uh, uh, you know, journalism and owning my own business in upstate New York, raised two uh, very good boys and uh, don't have a girls, sorry. And I know my wife is not happy about that. <laughs> my wife wanted a girl, but we didn't have it. Now they're all grown. They have their own uh, occupation working in Boston area. So just uh I was enjoying uh the retirement and doing what I like about uh general football watching uh and following world football and also Turkish football in general and US men national team and MLS.
2: There we go. There we go. That's a, that's a very broad spectrum there. Now just in terms of the Super League which is Turkey's top league growing up for me it was always it was always a big two of Fenerbahce, and Galatasaray, And in later years, Besiktas came along to make it a big three, if you will. Yeah. Do you have a leaning to any of the teams in the Super League? Well, I cover pretty much when I write, when I
0: talk about these Turkish t- t- Super League teams, I am very realistic. As you know, as a journalist, when you write something or talk about something, even on podcasts or on the radio, when I used to do it, I like to uh, not have a favorite team. But yes, uh, from my father, as I was little, my father made me a Beşiktaş fan. But as I said, I am a Beşiktaş fan. But when it comes to talking about the general Turkish Super League teams like Fenerbahçe uh, and Galatasaray and Trabzonspor, I am neutral. And right now, Beşiktaş team, is the team in chaos so far in the turkish super uh, league but uh speaking of the biggest derby between fenerbahce and galatasaray there's a huge match coming up and these two teams will play double ceremony matches one on sunday and then five days later they will face each other again in saudi arabia and this time for turkish super cup match so uh, end of the uh, December, end of the 2023, we will see Fenerbahce and Galasai playing back-to-back two matches in
2: five days. Wow, that's huge. That, that, that is off the chain. Kobe, I don't know uh, how much of the, the Super League that you have you grew up with, but I remember when both Harry Kuehl, the Australian, when he signed with Galatasaray, and uh, when Stephen Appiah, the Canadian right. international, when he signed with Fenerbahce, the airport and Istanbul was loaded. Like, you think Pearson's busy? It was, it was yep. just full of people just, just to greet these players. Uh, the, the, the fans, they love their football. And when those two teams get together, it's one of the biggest rivalries in Europe, if not the world. Well, this time, gentlemen, this match is going to be in Kadikur,
0: which is, it will be in Fanarbach's nest. So the 12th man is not going to be the hell. As you know, uh, you hmm. probably heard it this a lot when you play in Galatasaray stadium in Galatasaray uh, Ram stadium, it's called Hell's. But I think Kadıköy is another uh uh stadium that when you play at home against Fenerbahçe, it is very loud also. So there's three big teams in Turkey right now uh Whenever you play in these stadiums, the 12th man makes a huge difference. I don't know if uh, you want to talk about the match coming up tomorrow, but as you were talking about those years, and I could say when uh, Drogba came in with Snyder, those were the high days for uh, Galatasaray team. But this year, speaking of Galatasaray, let me start with this. I am very disappointed with Galatasaray team not making it into a Champions League. You know, advancing to Sweet Sixteen in the Champions League. The reason why all these transfers were done to play and advance to next round for the the Sweet Sixteen, and I think the Galatasaray fans are unhappy, just like me as a, a football fan, because some of the big names that they got besides Sanchez the defender, right. all Zaha, uh, Hakim Ziyech, and a couple other players that, that they got, they probably never gelled with the team. That's right. Okan Buruk had a couple mistakes, and in these past 16 matches in the Turkish Super League and six matches in the Champions League matches, he had not uh, consistency with starting 11 that was the i think they spent big money for this season's uh, roster but i think Galatasaray fans are not happy uh, because they're not going to be playing in the champions league now they're going to be playing in europa league that's uh, uh, lower than uh champions league so i am kind of as a tur- uh, turkish su- uh super league fan and turkish football fan i think i am a little disappointed with Galatasaray situation after spending all this money not advancing to the next round in the Champions League.
2: Yeah, for sure. Now, for for our listeners who may not be caught up on the group stage of 2023-2024, uh, Bob's referring to the group that featured Bayern Munich, Manchester United, and FC Copenhagen. And most of us would have guessed Bayern Munich winning the group, but not many of us saw Copenhagen finishing <laughs> second in the group. Nope. So, well, that's right. The, the fans... They can definitely feel aggrieved there. They they probably would have fancied themselves to get out of that group. But uh, like you said, they've, they've been bumped into the Europa League. That does impact the income in terms of TV money uh, and prize money. So it be interesting to see what happens in the next season or so, especially with the spending that they had in the offseason season that you mentioned.
1: Right. We're talking about a very rich club, though. But from from what I understand, Bob, is you're saying that the fault lies with the coach.
2: I,
0: uh, I intend to believe that, Colby, because... If you look at uh, some of the games that he uh, played against the teams in the Champions League matches, because of the not so much injuries, the players that was not ready for this uh, Champions League matches, Zaha, he played only one good match against Manchester United when they beat Manchester United in England. Now, when you play in this level of soccer, football, you need to win your home matches. Yeah. Galatasaray did not do that. The first match against Copenhagen, they were uh, losing 2-0 nothing. They were lucky to tie this match at the last very uh, last minutes of the match uh, with tying 2-2. So that was the beginning of this run in the Champions League matches was wrong. The Copenhagen match, they should have won that match at home and that if they would have won that match and then second match was Going to happen, which was Manchester United match day one, that should have been six points right there. It would have been enough for them to go as a second place to next round. That did not happen because right now, the Galatasaray fans, most of them, thinking like this why did we get all these big star names? Players like Zaha, players like Hakim Ziyech and Dombele. And a couple other players, they really did not help this team other than Zaha scoring the uh, goal for when they beat uh, Manchester United.
1: Okay, so when, when you're looking at Super League, how balanced is it? Like, so in comparison, let's say, you know, the, the Premiership is relatively balanced. You're going to have a number of teams at the top, then you have a number of sort of middle of the road teams that can occasionally make a play for qualifying for Europa or such, and then you have, like, your bottom teams. Is there a massive divide between the top and the bottom in a Super League? Is it more like the Scottish League, or what are we looking at here?
0: Very uh, divided league. When you usually look at the top three or five, you usually see uh, Fenerbahce, uh, Galatasaray, Trabzonspor, and Beşiktaş right up there. Wait, 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 hold
1: on. What, what was the third one?
0: Trabzonspor, which is a Black Sea region team. Okay. And they really uh they had a, a match today they tied at home in the uh week 17 matches they uh, uh tied against the Başakşehir team and they're in the fifth place. Now if you look at the standings as we speak right now Fenerbahçe is on top uh with 43 points and uh Galisai also has the same points. So the thing is right now the biggest contender in this uh division in, in this Turkish Super League is I see Fenerbahce and Galatasaray. Okay. And Trabzonspor is no near uh with them because Trabzonspor they are in uh fourth place with 27 points. Oh. Beşiktaş the team is in who's in chaos. We could talk about that later. They have only 26 points. So all those teams After the second place, they're not even at 30-point mark. And there's a huge gap between the top and um, the below teams. I don't think, you know, even though they call this league Super League, what happened during the past week with the ugly scenes and darkest nights, what happened in Ankara a week ago, and uh, punching referee the team owner punching referee. And then three, four days later, a team owner pulling the team from the pitch because he did not like the referee's call. So right now, what I see, uh, what's happening with Turkish Super League, there's some chaos. And a lot of fans in Turkey does not like the Turkish Football Federation president and then current committee. They want them to resign, But here's the thing, because they're not elected. One thing about this uh, Turkish football federation committee and the president was chosen by the Turkish uh, president. So he was signed there by that. There's there should be, I think the the whole organization should change in Turkey
1: as far as football management. So with these scandals with the refs and such and, the you know, the situations that have happened recently, is this something you saw building or did it just kind of come out of left field?
0: Oh yeah, this was building up. I was talking about this on my podcast a lot every weekend because when you have a referee's making mistake in every matches and then when this is big matches, it happens in, uh, you know, she matches and it happens in Fenerbahce match. And it happens in Galatasaray match, and the fans are very really uptight. And then they would, you know, they're getting built up for this. And even in this Ankara Rizespor match, and I think where this happened during the match, uh, Ankara Rizespor coach Emre Belozulu, who used to play for Turkish national team and Fenerbahce, also Galatasaray, uh, he was on the sideline. He started the, this whole thing with swearing at the referee, building this pressure during that match, and then finally the ugly scene that we saw that the team owner came in on the pitch and then punching the referee, which the referee is probably number one referee in Turkey because he has a FIFA badge who has uh, ref many games in Europe and in the World uh, Cup game.
1: Now, gambling is not legal in Turkey,
0: is it? It's illegal. That's but that the it's a state control thing. Okay, and there are a lot of uh, these organizations outside Turkey uh, controlling this Turkish football, Turkish Super League. There uh, are huge, uh, huge uh, betting going
1: on in this Turkish Super League. Oh, okay, I can see how that plays hand in hand.
2: yeah i I grew up in asia so i know all about that Uh, these um shadowy groups that you never see them but they have big influences on games and whatnot
0: oh this happens uh in the lower divisions all the time Mm,
2: yes so i think the
0: betting betting is very big issue in turkish football
2: Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm Yeah, it's it, it's a problem in a number of leagues. To be honest, it's I, I mean, yeah. it's it's, go, it's come to a boiling point in Takaya, as we saw in the last last week or two. So hopefully things do calm down and we can get back to enjoying the football with the, the big games coming up this month. Now you touched on the Shikdas; so they they yep. have a strong Canadian link. Uh, Atiba Hutchinson, the former men's captain, he's been a part of the squad. Kyle Lyron was scoring a number of goals when they were, I guess, at that peak. Where has it gone wrong for the black and white?
0: Well, for Eagles, black and white, as we call. Pretty much, uh, I could tell you that Atibio Hutchinson. Uh, I met him first time in year two thousand seventeen in Toronto uh, when he came after that off season. He came to visit his family. I could say the nicest, nicest guy and nicest family I ever met. He's a family man. He played over 10 years with Bishitash. As we speak, he lives in Turkey right now. He has beautiful kids. His family and Atiba loves Turkey. He wants to do something. I think, I believe he's in process of getting his uh, pro license to coach. Atiba was a sensational uh, soccer player who was also for Can- Canadian national team. And I was very impressed with him. And I like his wife. What a great wife he has. And I'm very thoughtful uh, about them. I think he's probably a role model for a lot of players when he played for Besiktas, even not only Besiktas players, but the uh professional football players in Turkey at Turkish Super League. So he was captain of uh, Black and White Eagles. And after he left the team, as we know, last season was his last season. as age, you know, he was not starting team. It was a good time for him to leave. But under Atiba, Besiktas saw a lot of good uh, results in Europe, also at Turkish Super League what went wrong with uh with besiktas team i think it's the management this season so far after 16 matches they have changed three coaches already wow okay now this young season the first half of the season is not even done they're going to be uh hiring uh, fourth coach and it might be fifth coach this season because the things are not looking good whoever did The transferring, the management of of the team for this season, they failed. The manager, general manager of this team, in the beginning of the season, they have gotten some very bad players, high names, but did not perform. And a lot of the players that they uh, transferred has issue with injuries. So... Beşiktaş right now does not have any players that they could put up on the pitch for first 11. All those transfers that they did in the beginning of this off season. And then they elected new president, elected uh new president last weekend and uh, after hiring uh Reza by former uh player of Beşiktaş who was also the captain of Beşiktaş one time. And they just sacked them after losing the match this past weekend. So it is uh, Besiktas used to be about a year and a half ago. Galatasaray was in the chaos and Galatasaray <laughs> come over that uh, chaos. But now Besiktas is the team who's in chaos as far as in the league. Even though they sit in the uh, fifth place right now uh, in the Turkish Super League with 26 points. And uh, they're not looking good as far as Kyle Laren. Uh, Kyle Laren was a good transfer when he came to Turkey, and as you know. Atiba knew Kyle Laren, and he told the management at the time that it should be good for Besiktas. He had very successful years, and then that's when uh, uh, Kyle Laren scored uh, most goals under Sargan Yalcin, and then. Somehow, uh, they had to transfer him after his contract ran out. Right now, he plays for Malarco, and I, Kyle Lahren's doing pretty good in the uh, Spanish League.
2: Yeah, absolutely. He's It seems that wherever he goes, he seems to find the net, and and Canadian football is all the better for it. Right. Now, we've talked a little bit about club football. I, it will be I, – I've got to bring it up. Do you play fantasy at all, uh, Bob? No, I don't. <laughs> Okay, all right, because I know Kobe's itching to get some (laughs) some fantasy gems for from the Super League. If you if you have any players that might be uh ready to break out after in the new year,
1: sure,
0: I'll try to. You mean as far as in the Turkish Super League? Yes, yeah, sure, okay, any club.
1: I feel like you got to stay away from Besiktas. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Well, in Besiktas, there isn't any uh, players that's going to come up. (laughs) I'm sorry to say that, but Besiktas will be very lucky if they finish in the top uh, five. Wow. Yes. Brutal. As far as uh, Fenerbahce and uh, Galassi, there are very young players. Uh, I could name a Turkish player in the Juventus. If you guys watched the Juventus match today in Italian League, there's this kid who's 18 years old, and plays for a Turkish national team, Kenan Yildiz. He scored his first goal today, and he is the first 18-year-old uh, soccer football player to ever score a goal with Juventus uniform.
1: Okay, hold on. What, what's his name?
0: Kenan K E N A N, and his last name is Yildiz Y I L D.
1: I-Z. Okay.
2: Mm, okay. This was his yeah. first start. Well, yeah, the national team that qualified for Euro 2024, they're, they're at the the big dance there in Germany. Now, you mentioned a couple of names that remind me of the 2002 class. Uh, you mentioned Belazoglu, Ockham, um, Buruk, Yalsin. Uh, Ockham, yeah. Well, I feel like the 2002 team was like the, the peak. That was... The best of the best. Are we ever going to see Turkey go back to those heights again?
0: 2002 team, that became uh, in the third place in the World Cup 2002. Mm. And yeah, the coach of the team was Shenal Ganesh, who coached uh, the Besiktas in the beginning of the season.
2: Mm. And
0: he only coached, I believe, five or seven matches. I don't have the correct matches. So uh, yes, we had great starts in that uh, team Okan was playing in that team we had you probably remember especially playing against Brazil Ilhan Mansuz mm. who now lives in uh, United States in the Arizona Ilhan Mansuz had a beautiful goal in that uh, World Cup tournament Hakan Şükür you probably know one of the mm. best players top players still in the Turkish national team who play for Galatasaray who lives in California, he also lives in the United States, and you had names like Blant Korkmaz, and goalkeeper, good friend of mine, Rusty Rechbert, and yes, there was a lot of good stars that played in uh, in that team.
2: Mm. I still remember Rusty, he'd he wear the eye black. Uh, oh, yes, he made a name
0: <laughs> for himself, and uh, <laughs> Rusty lives, In England right now, London, and because of his son's career, his son's playing one of the, I uh, I think it could be Manchester United, uh, lower teams in London.
2: That's awesome. I I mean, 2002 Australia didn't qualify. Ghana didn't qualify, but it was nice to see some different teams that were in the latest uh, parts of the tournament. Seeing. To uh seeing Korea, seeing uh, yeah, uh, sending oh, to the quarterfinals.
0: I think Turkey was lucky a little bit in that mm. uh, tournament too to finish the third place because let's face it, I think Costa Rica helped Turkey then uh, yeah. uh, for them to play back the uh, second match against Brazil, and I think that's why. Uh, I mean they. Turkey, that team played with a pride, with a hustle, and this was probably the rookie season, rookie uh, coaching season for Channel Gunesh. You remember this was like 21 years ago, and that's when Channel Gunesh was in his 40s. And to tell uh, you the truth, I don't think Channel Gunesh was not very successful coach until that that job was given to him as a national team coach and i yeah. know uh, i know chanel ganesh since 1985 wow. as a person so
2: yeah. you are the, you are the connected you are like the <laughs> the plug <laughs> that comes to all things <laughs> football. i yeah. love it I, I <laughs> all I these guys that saw on tv you just like with them up that's a beautiful
1: thing <laughs> Yeah, I want to bring it a little Thanks. closer. To, I want to bring it a little closer to home. Talk a little bit about the United States men's national team. Right, there was some controversy regarding some of the decisions made by the former coaches and management in the last World Cup. And honestly, I think they went as far as they were going to go. But not everybody was happy, of course. Now they've got Bearhalter. Do, do you think he's the guy or no? You know, Bearhalter case. Remember, he was
0: let go or he was on suspension for a while. And uh, what happened there, there was a little bit, I really don't know why they waited that long and then they decided to bring him back again. Mm -hmm. When the stuff happens between coach and players, and I think some players take part with uh, their own players and some will, will be on coach's side, so I think there's a still I believe there's still bad blood uh between coach and some of the players on the US national team. I think and my biggest gripe right now with this MLS team's not going to be uh playing in the Open Cup. Yeah. That is the disaster. That was that was the very ugly decision that uh MLS decided. As you know, MLS is getting bigger and bigger uh, every year and it's probably you know after especially Messi and now Luis uh suarez yeah suarez coming into miami it's going to be uh most watch one of the most watched leagues and then what is very good about uh the canadian teams being part of this mls it's going to build and make canadian soccer more uh, recognizable Is you probably know I remember nineteen uh probably in the eighties, Canadian football soccer was not this su- successful. Nope. But the last ten, fifteen years with the players coming up of the program and Canadian uh you know, national team is doing great. Even though they don't have a very strong you know, you got uh strong league, but Canadian teams being in the MLS that helps uh the national
1: team huge don't you think so a uh, big time big time i, I yeah. mean so when you talk about coming up through the 80s and such i used to play soccer here and right at that time if you wanted to make the national team you essentially had to move to the west coast right okay so the, the entire team was made up of players from the from the B, from bc from a, a small league in bc because the The national coach or anything, the the whole program was, was stationed there. Mm -hmm. And they didn't really have the money to go from province to province to province and try and find out the best talent. So as a result of that, it was a weak league. It was very weak. Mm -hmm. Whereas now with MLS and of course players now playing overseas and such, you're you're getting a far greater uh, development of our players because of, I think MLS is a huge, huge contributor.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Right. I was just wondering if you think that. having Bellhalter at the top there, if that's going to change the way things are done at all, are people, are they optimistic about the team or no? Well,
0: you know, the, the, the players on the team is uh, probably the fans are very optimistic because they have very young players that is making names for themselves in the uh, European leagues, Mm -hmm. you know, and they have very uh, good potential players, but the last couple of games they played because uh, some of the players not being on the roster, and the national team, U.S. national team, did not look that good. So I think what's going to happen, uh, having the World Cup here in in North America, it's going to help huge for you know all these three teams. And I think uh, Canada and U.S. is going to get the most advantage of this, yes. I hope, and build, uh, build this uh, football, soccer, uh, in their community. And the soccer in the United States in probably 25 years ago was uh, uh, you a know, much better place now than ever. For sure, twenty five thirty years at twenty five years ago, you couldn't even have uh, ESPN or Fox televised the matches. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know that's a huge impact. So I think more kids playing in the, when they start playing soccer at the age six, and I think this thing is going to develop more uh, good players into the system. But I think one thing, the cost of the teams. In the junior level, is getting very high, and some of these parents can't pay five to ten thousand dollars to have their kids play in the you know good level of soccer leagues. So that needs to be changed somehow. But as far as the the national team, would your question under the uh, current uh, coach. Yeah, I think he's a good coach, but looking at some of the Fans talking on social media, they have uh, questions about him. So we'll see what happens. You know, it's it's just a, a decision was done by a U.S. Soccer Federation. And we'll see what will happen if the things don't go right way. I think they might uh, just let him go. But right now, I think his jo- job is safe uh, as far as coaching the team.
1: Okay. All right. Fair enough. Now, Bob, where would our fans find you on social media? Where would they look up your material?
0: They can find me at on Twitter. Now it's called X at Turkish Soccer. And also on my uh, Facebook search on Facebook, Turkish Soccer or Turkish Football. There's a huge uh, fan base there. Uh, I talk about mostly uh, Turkish uh, football and Turkish, uh, Super League there. But on Twitter, I do uh write my opinions on MLS, N- U.S. national team, pretty much world football on my uh Twitter handle. Okay, at Turkish Soccer. All right, right on.
2: That's awesome, and uh, it's it's been a pleasure have you on. Now I I go to ask Bob because we're going into 2026. What's your take on the fact that this World Cup for the men is going to be 48 teams as opposed to the 32 that we've been used to for the last 20 25 that's, that's years. That's
0: another thing that I don't know if it's a good decision. <laughs> it's a bad decision. <laughs> very bad decision. So, and <laughs> I don't know. You know, more teams is going to have impact on teams and there's going to be a very, you know, I don't think it's going to be quality tournament let's put it that way the more teams in the tournament it's not going to make your tournament very quality so you you're going to see some uh matches that that you will not see in uh, that in the past in the world cup uh, tournaments so you know, before that i'm just wondering about this uh this coming uh summer when the european championship uh, uh european tournament how the team's going to do there. I'm very uh, hopeful for Turkey to do something, at least uh, advance to a second round in that European tournament, Euro 2024, and then build something from there to a World Cup. But to answer your questions, I really don't like it. Having more teams in the World Cup.
2: Okay, well, I'm, I might have a, a double down for you. Yeah, What are your thoughts on this idea of... Uh a European Super League. Have we heard from any of the Super League clubs uh, in terms of being for or against this proposed idea by Florentino Perez and Barcelona?
0: I really don't like that idea either. As you know, probably a lot of the European teams that uh announced their opinions on social media after this uh decision. I don't think it will be a good uh league for uh you know, having Super League there, but I, I think uh, you know it, <laughs> it is a bad idea. But what we, I know you don't like it. But uh, in overall, in uh, if you ask all the soccer fans in Canada, United States, who follows the world soccer and the European teams having a Super uh, League, another league with what's called Super League, uh, I don't think they would like. Uh, they don't like the idea. My opinion.
2: Yeah, I mean, it is disruptive, uh, for sure. Uh, I'm a traditionalist. I, I I can't see how it's going to work, but uh, I know Kobe, he's kind of come around on the idea. Isn't that right, Kobe?
1: I mean, to me, competitive soccer is competitive soccer, right? It, it almost feels like you have Champions League constantly.
2: Right. And then and the Champions League is changing its format, which I think is one of the reasons why Perez has decided to well, another reason why Perez and um, Laporta have decided to come up with this idea, I would say that there are financial reasons, but just leave that for another day. <laughs> I mean, building stadiums aren't cheap, especially in this economy. But um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. That's for sure. It's uh, it's definitely one that's it's not going away anytime soon. Now, Bob, you're in Rochester. I can't let you go without talking about garbage place because we have had a couple of guests on from upper New York state and mm-hmm. the garbage plate hasn't mentioned. Tell us <laughs> what, like when, when we cross the border, because Kobe and I are going to do that in in 2024 for sure. What are we looking for when we go out for a garbage plate?
0: Oh, let, please let me know when you're in town. I'll be, uh, I'll be, uh, I'll be uh, taking you to this famous place, even though it's in the, <laughs> Very uh, scr- scratchy neighborhood, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I will make sure you uh, will have a uh, garbage plate, that famous Nick Tao's famous uh, garbage plate. Well, it's a tradition. As a matter of fact, uh, Mr. Nick Tao is from Greece. He was born in Greece, and he came to uh, Rochester in, like, in 1950s. And uh, he just made uh, a plate uh, with everything on it. You know, (laughs) that is why it's called garbage plate. So it made a big name for itself. And when you say Rochester, I am from Rochester, New York, uh, even before they say Kodak, they talk about the garbage plate. Let me say this. I have two boys who does not live in Rochester. When they come home, My older son, who's 37, he misses uh, three things. Uh, Wegmans sub, and he misses uh, the garbage plate. (laughs) When he comes to Rochester, you make sure that he uh, gets two of those. So as you know, probably you heard Wegmans name. Now they're all over the United States. I I don't think they're in Canada, but if you're over the border uh, at Buffalo, they have a couple locations in Buffalo too, more than a couple. And they're in Manhattan now. They're over like 100 uh, cities in the United States.
1: Okay. I've, had, right. I've had Wegmans in Rochester. Yes. I think, the, I think the first thing that surprised me was the fact that a small is like a footlong. Bright, bright. What's wrong? <laughs> right, right. A, a large is like a foot and a half. It was crazy. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I never forget one, and uh, this is in the past, when my son worked in San Francisco, he came home. I picked him up from the airport. He says, Dad, before we go home, I want to go uh, get a, a Wegman sub uh, for lunch. <laughs> so, yeah, those two things, but the garbage plate is world wide known Bob, thank you so much for your time no problem it was great to talk to you guys thank you for your invitation thank you buddy thank you
1: thanks for tuning into the podcast for even more of your favorite sports content be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com
2: On our website, you will find our sports blog, full podcast library, access to our YouTube channel, and
1: deals from our affiliate partners. You can also sign up to become a PSP insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips, sponsor giveaways, and insider newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcasts experience. Where no sport
2: is left behind.